Today's episode of the Locked On Phillies podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Phillies podcast. Today is Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. Two days to opening day. And this is the last week of spring training, Philly spring training, wrapping up yesterday, which means that we have one final NL East crossover episode to record that, of course, is with my buddy Ryan Finkelstein down in Florida. He, of course, is the host of the Locked on Mets podcast. We discussed everything from the Phillies, the Mets, where he thinks the Mets win total will be at this season, how he's liking the Mets offseason moves this year. I, of course, crossed over with him once before, but this Mets roster has really taken shape with Notable offseason acquisitions of Carlos Carrasco, Francisco Lindor. Mets now in conversations to extend Francisco Lindor long term. And look, the Phillies have seven of their seven games in the first two weeks against the New York Mets. And at least baseball is at its best when the Phillies and Mets are good and competitive. It's Philly, it's New York. We talked everything about these two teams. So we previewed the NL East as a whole. We previewed, again, the Mets roster, the Phillies roster, and uh, how we think uh, the season's going to play out, again, just two days before opening day. We got excited for baseball. We hope you like it, too, so give a listen. Joining us today on the Locked on Phillies podcast, well, it's really a crossover edition of the Locked on Phillies podcast and the Locked on Mets podcast. It is Ryan Finkelstein, and this is the final crossover. It's been a long spring training, a long march, but... This is the final week of the NL East and crossovers in general here within the division on the Locked On Podcast Network. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. You know, this has been kind of fun to go through the division here, kind of take a temperature of how everyone's feeling before opening day. And uh, I'm excited to get your take here on uh, the NL East. How have those temperatures been going, by the way? Have you gotten a little perspective from the Nationals, a little from the Braves? Obviously, you know, you're covering the Mets. You've gotten some from now you're getting the Phillies, the Marlins, of course, too. Uh, how have they been going? Well, I feel like the general consensus we've seen, right, is that everyone kind of thinks that the Mets and Braves are maybe a tier above those other three teams. I think everyone believes that, you know, if everything breaks right, the Phillies, the Nationals, maybe even the Marlins can kind of make a run out of a wild card. Maybe, you know, if, if everything's perfect around the division, but I feel like the general feeling is that the Mets and Braves are kind of a little bit better on paper this year. So what is your, you know, I know plenty of Mets fans. Uh, Many of them have turned into cynics over the years and just general, a general cynical fan base. There's a lot of hype around this Mets team. Tell me where you're at. Do you agree with that general sentiment that the Braves are on that tier with the Braves? And do you expect them to be in the postseason come October? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that Mets fans are generally cynical because I do have that part of my brain that I can't shut off yet. You know, maybe five years into the Steve Cohen era, that'll go away. But five you know, years, we'll, it would take that many postseason appearances? It, it, maybe not. You know, it, we have to see. I don't know what it's like to have a winning franchise. Okay. I don't know. I've been a Mets fan. You know, I've never seen more than two consecutive years in the playoffs. Okay. Maybe it's, maybe it's three years. But, there's always that feeling of can it all fall apart? You know, is something going to happen here? Is the Mets bullpen going to be the worst baseball's ever seen and ruin what appears to be a great rotation, a great starting lineup? I do think, though, if I kind of check all that at the door and just look at the roster and analyze it, I don't see how this team isn't going to be in contention 
against the Braves in this division. I mean, their rotation right now is pretty solid, and you're going to have Carlos Carrasco and Noah Syndergaard rejoin the group throughout the season. And then you look at the starting lineup, and I mean, I've said it before, I think the easiest way to boil it down is if you're going to be batting Jeff McNeil sixth, you got a pretty good lineup. So I look at the Mets right now, I think they have a pretty good chance here. Man, five five years, maybe three years uh, of postseason baseball. You mentioned the worst bullpen in the history of baseball. I seriously doubt it. Uh, that would be the um, not even the 2020 Phillies. It was you have to go 90 years back to find another Phillies team that had worse than a 7-11 ERA uh, out of the bullpen last season. But I do understand your cynical viewpoint. Look, there's plenty of it down here in Philadelphia as well. The Phillies have not had a winning record since 2011 when they had the best record in all of baseball and. There's a sentiment around here. I, the the over-under, depending on where you look, is right around 81 games that I've been talking about all spring. And whether it's 80 and a half, 81 and a half, maybe 82 and a half, I think in general, people around here are actually on the optimistic side of that. Maybe 84, maybe 85, but some things still have to break. Correct. Like, right. Correct. Like, so last year, the bullpen was the worst in all of baseball by far. And they were still in it on the final day. Now, granted, there was an expanded playoff system. Now we're dialing it back to 10 teams. We're back at 162 games. And the NL East, I would argue, is better and perhaps the best bullpen, or not best bullpen, the best division in all of baseball this year. You're looking at teams like the Braves. I still think it's the Braves division to lose. I think the Mets are a little bit of like a prove-it team. I think they have the potential to do it. And I think they are better than where the Phillies are right now. And I think the Phillies, if things break right, could contend for another wild card spot though. I think it's difficult because you look across the league and you're going to have more, you're back to a regular season here. So they're going to make every team's going to make trips to the central and the West and have some interleague play as they usually would. And you're looking at the Dodgers and the Padres. Only one of those teams can win the West and everyone kind of just assumes that it'll likely be the Dodgers and the Padres will probably get a wild card spot. So between the Braves, Phillies, Nationals, Mets, only really two spots to go around and that's assuming that some team doesn't emerge out of the central beyond whoever wins that division i think it's going to be difficult i think these division games are going to be as highly anticipated and highly contested as we've seen in a while but ultimately that's when baseball is at its best right like i want to go back to the days of the late 2000s early 2010s i know it's not a happy time for mets fans because it usually entailed blowing a september lead specifically in 2007 but if there's a game at Citizens Bank Park or a game at City Field and, you know, COVID willing, there would be 40,000 people there or whatever a full house is going to look like in September of 2021. Like, that's what it should look like. That's get gearing you up for postseason baseball. And you're in a division race down the stretch, maybe a wild card race down the stretch because you have multiple teams in it. That's when the NL East, that's when baseball, in my opinion, is at its best. More of the Locked on Phillies, Locked on Mets crossover edition episode coming right up where we discuss everything from the Phillies, the Mets, and the NL East as a whole. But first, I want to tell you about my friends at rockauto.com. Look at the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible to stock all of the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his or her computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and the do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, are reliably low, and look, rockauto.com 
always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, just like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody, does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for more than 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's RockAuto.com. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Lease the 2024 RX 350 Premium All-Wheel Drive for $528 a month for 36 months with $49.99 to its signing. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024. Get all the sports news you need in less than 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think, you know, you, you mentioned Citizens Bank Park, and I would just love after a year of not going to games to be a Mets fan at Citizens Bank Park and get crushed by some Phillies fans again. It's just... uh. It's a great pastime. I had a lot of family in Philly, so I've definitely experienced that before. But I will say, you know, you look at this division, and I, I do want to, you know, caution again, which I have throughout the whole offseason, that I agree it is the Braves' division to lose. The Braves are a team that is more complete, I think, than any team in this division. You know, they have a solid defense. They brought in some more starters, so their rotation's good. They have a bunch of young arms in the bullpen along with some veterans that they've brought in. So they are a very complete roster. And you look at a team like the Mets, and I say there's some defense questions. There's certainly, you know, that ability for the Mets, you know, when you have, you know, Brandon Nemo in center, Dominic Smith in left, to really struggle out there in the outfield and in the infield. If J.D. Davis is going to be playing at one corner, Pete Alonso at the other, that's definitely a problem. And when I look at the Phillies, I like the, the top-end star talent. And maybe this is where I can ask you what you think about it. But I look at outside of Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto, you know, I have some some questions about some of those guys in the middle. You know, is you know Gene Segura going to have another good year on both sides? Didi Gregoria, same thing. You know, was last year small sample size uh, with Alec Baum, you know, going to repeat over a full year. What do you think about those other guys on the Phillies this year? So I'll start by saying this isn't exactly a hot take here in Philly, but I love Alec Bohm. Like watching him hit is great. That guy is a major league ready prospect. Checked all of the boxes last season. Still, of course, has to prove it over 162. Showed some good things in spring, but he, he's a guy that I don't think a lot of people worry about. I don't think the team worries about in particular. I, he really just looks, he's a guy who obviously went to college, kind of fast tracked his way through the minor leagues and has looked, he plays like a veteran. And probably would have been, if it weren't for Devin Williams being one of, if not the best relievers in all of baseball last year, probably would have been the rookie of the year. And he's a guy who didn't even start the season in the majors last year because they were manipulating some service time. He's going to be the everyday third baseman. And look, defensively, he probably still has uh, some room to grow. But on the offensive side, this guy is what I like to call a pure hitter, kind of an old school hitter, doesn't swing for the fences, doesn't have a violent swing. If he needs to put a ball in play, he'll put a ball in play. If he needs to put a ball onto the right side, he'll put a ball on the right side. If he needs to drive one in the gap, he'll do it. And there was a spring training at bat a few weeks ago 
where he's battling with the pitcher. He's fouling him off. He'll, he'll walk if he needs to. And he popped one up and he just missed it. And you could tell he knew he just missed it. And he spiked the bat into the ground. And I thought it was going to go halfway to China. Like this guy is so ultra competitive and so like locked in. It's just incredible. And he does this thing before the game. It kind of got a lot of traction last year where it's like an eye exercise. Like he is so locked in on every pitch. He's just, he's in such a zone. It's really a joy to watch him hit. I'm expecting big things out of Alec Bohm again. And frankly, they need a guy like Alec Bohm right there in the middle of the lineup with Harper, with Real Muto, because, you know, Josh Neighbors and I were ranking, we were ranking the NL East rotations and lineups. And whether it's the Mets, whether it's the Braves, whether it's the Nationals, whoever the case might be, we were sitting here looking at the other teams in the division and the Phillies, if they don't like they need that middle of the order to be really, really strong to contend with these other powerhouses, in particular, the Braves. As for guys like you mentioned, Gene Segura and Didi Gregorius, look, they're guys who have, I'll say, peaks and valleys in their careers, in particular on the offensive end. I think it's well documented that an offensive park like Citizens Bank Park certainly favors a guy like Didi Gregorius. He certainly likes playing for a guy in Joe Girardi, but I think they're really solid back end. like they shouldn't be hitting in the media your order, but end of the batting order type of guys who look, I don't think they're going to give you consistent production, maybe over 162, but hopefully they can give you enough, turn the lineup over, get some runners on base for this top of the order. The McCutcheons of the world, the Reese Hoskins of the world is another guy who's really streaky, who, which Reese Hoskins do we see in 2021? He's coming off surgery, look good in spring. And it looks like his swing, he used to be dead pull. And in spring, he was showing the ability to kind of hit more towards the center of the field. He certainly looks better at that. Hopefully that translates over to the season because when he's dead pull, it, those strikeout numbers start to go up. And he started really getting to really big slumps where he would hit, you know, three weeks for a ton of power and then three weeks where it doesn't look like he can hit a beach ball. I think some more consistency out of him. But I like this Phillies lineup. I think it's certainly the strong suit of this team. This is a lineup that was tied for, and I've said it a million times at this point, is tied was tied for the fifth most runs in baseball last year. Like I think the offense will keep the team competitive. This team was second most in leads last year, behind only the Dodgers. And so you look at how bad the bullpen had to have been to miss the playoffs when you had the second most leads in Major League Baseball a season ago. I think the offense should get it done. Obviously, even guys like Bryce are going to go through struggles over the course of a 162-game season, though. You know, certainly you can't expect it, but certainly an MVP caliber season that we know he's capable of would pay major dividends for this team making a run at the postseason. And you say, all right, maybe if you get an MVP type of season out of Bryce or a Cy Young type of season out of Aaron Nola, just if they're in the conversation for much of the year, you're, we're probably talking about the Phillies late into September and contending for a playoff spot, right? So if overall you get solid production out of those guys and you can get maybe a few all-star caliber seasons out of your heavy hitters, I think that will go a long way. My biggest, my bigger concern rather than this batting order is kind of what the back end of the rotation looks like, whether it be Matt Moore, whether it be Chase Anderson, those are the guys going out two out of every five days. And again, I'm looking here, I'm kind of setting up the lineup. I have my schedule printed out here. So they have three games with the Braves to start. They've already lined up the rotation. They're going Nola, Wheeler, and Eflin. But then they got three games against the Mets uh, on April 5th, 6th, and 7th. And those first two games are going to be Matt Moore and Chase Anderson. Like those are big games. And they have very big games here to start the season. And then they got four up at City Field. So 
I, those are big games that they're going to have to start. What if you have an injury to one of these guys in the starting rotation? That's going health is such a cliche, but will be a big concern for this team if someone goes down or if there's a COVID outbreak. So a number of X factors, I think is fair to say, but the offense is actually probably the least of my concerns given where the bullpen was a year ago, given where this pitching rotation is towards the bottom and given what this offense at least proved it is capable of back in 2020. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've kind of noticed going through this exercise of talking to all these teams is, you know, I think where the Mets have maybe really helped themselves a lot this offseason that some people probably aren't talking about enough, and I know I certainly have been talking about it, is the depth that they've added. They've turned over their 40-man roster in an incredible way. Obviously, the addition to Francisco Lindor got the headlines, but to go out and get Joey Lucchese, Jordan Yamamoto, a lot of these guys that brought into camp to to factor into that rotation, it has proved to be you know a, a good investment of time because Carlos Carrasco is, goes down and now you still have Lou Casey, David Peterson, Jordan Yamamoto waiting in the wings, and I think that is really big for the Mets. And I look at the Phillies and like you mentioned there, when you drop off past that third starter, there's some big questions and you know God forbid one of the top two guys goes down. That's the biggest concern I have for the Phillies, even the Nationals as well. It, it's it's that the end of the rotation. You look at the Marlins even. It seems like with all the you know prospects they've been stacking, they actually have a deeper rotation than those two teams. So Josh Neighbors and I both ranked. So the way we did these rankings is we each did the rankings beforehand, didn't tell each other, and then live while we were recording gave our rankings to each other. And we actually matched each other's rankings, both on the rotation and on the starting lineups. Uh, we'll start with the rotations. We both ranked the Mets the best rotation in the NL East right now. Do you agree with that sentiment or are we overrating them at all? So this is great because I actually did a podcast on Monday where I ranked rotations and I too had the Mets number one. Okay, so you would agree. Like we were looking at the teams all across the division. Like we were saying, all right, the Phillies, have or have good pitchers at the top, but maybe they struggle with depth. And the Nationals are a team that, again, kind of built a similar way, have some heavy hitters at the top, struggle with depth. The Braves really have a depth, more of a depth rotation. The Marlins have more of a depth rotation. The Mets don't seem to have a true, and maybe you feel there's a true weak spot. And again, it's hard to get. But you're not going to get the same thing out of your five starters. You are going to get out of Jacob DeGrami. I mean, he just sets the bar so high. But I don't look at this Mets rotation at full strength and say, well, there's a guy you really need to capitalize on. Like, he's probably going to be mediocre at best. Like, do you have any concerns about this rotation or is that the thing you're not worrying about? Yeah, for the most part, I'm more concerned about the bullpen. If I was to play devil's advocate with myself, I would say, you know, Taiwan Walker has been a bit up and down in his career. He's had some injuries. So what's he going to look like? And then David Peterson you know, had a great ERA last year, but if you look at like XFIP, not as favorable to him, a guy who walked a lot of batters. So is Peterson going to have a rough second year? That would be another concern. And then Joey Lucchese, while I think he is a really nice fifth starter, and really for the Mets, he's probably, you know, your seventh or eighth starter who's just going to start the year in the rotation. I, I could see that the back three there, maybe not quite holding up, but then again, when you eventually get Carlos Carrasco and Noah Syndergaard, that's where this team could really start rolling. So I feel like if they buy time in the first half of the season, 
and are at least within striking distance of the Braves, that rotation can really take over and push the Mets into the playoffs. So then moving to the offensive side, we both ranked the Mets as the second best lineup behind only the Braves in this division. Agree, disagree, your thoughts? Yeah, so I would say, you know, I actually didn't do lineups. I ranked infields and outfields, and I had the Mets, the Mets as the best infield and the second best outfield. I thought they were the best offensive outfield. So I might, you know, if I was really to stack up lineups, I might give the Mets a slight edge over the Braves, but I'm not mad at anyone who says the Braves had the best lineup in this division because it's been the best lineup that's been winning the division titles the last couple of years. Well, that's what I said. So Josh was actually on the fence about where to rank the Mets, the Braves, and he was like, eh, I might put the Mets at one. So I said, well, if that's the case, then the Mets should be the odds on favor to win the division if they have the best rotation. I mean, bullpen obviously factors in, defense factors in, but if they have the best rotation and the best lineup, it seems like they would just on that alone be the favorites to win the NL East. I look at this Braves lineup and similar to my sentiment with the Mets rotation, the heavy hitters they have and the complimentary players they have towards the bottom of the lineup have just caused such problems for this entire division and all of baseball, frankly, over the past couple of years. There's a reason they're going for their fourth consecutive NL East title. There's a reason why they were a game away three separate times and blew a 3-1 lead to the Dodgers last year. I think they're just one of the most stacked lineups in Major League Baseball. They were second in OPS, I believe, last season, second in home runs, second in runs. Like every offensive category, they check, they check the box. And granted, it was a shorter season, but there's just not a for sure out in the lineup. And the guys at the top between Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Ozuna are just so hard to get out and can pop the ball out of the ballpark and on any given moment that you're forced to just really go after those guys at the bottom of the lineup because the guys at the top will cause fits. There's no pitcher in baseball I would feel good about pitching to the top of the Braves order, frankly. It's just that good. Well, I can counter uh, with Jacob deGrom. I'm comfortable with DeGrom, DeGrom. DeGrom has a good <laughs> chance of anyone, right? Good pitching yeah. usually overpowers good hitting. But even Jacob deGrom, like that's the hardest he's going to have to work maybe through any lineup in all of baseball. Again, the Dodgers have something to say about that. But that's a Braves lineup that he's going to have to face quite a bit this year. Yeah, I would say that the, the holes in the Braves lineup are the questions I would have. You know, Dansby Swanson's only been good for a 60-game season. So could he have actually maintained that for a full year? Marcelo Zuna has to play the outfield again. Can't just be a DH, so what's that going to look like? And I don't believe that Travis Darno is going to be that same offensive catcher he was last year where he was, you know, arguably maybe the best offensive catcher. I mean, it was crazy what he was doing. It was one of those seasons as a Mets fan where you were just like, here's, you know, another Justin Turner going off for another team. But, you know, I look at those guys as, you know, maybe some potential, you know, regression cases for the Braves. And then, you know, in center field, I guess that would probably be their one offensive question, uh, whether it's Ender Ciarte or Christian Pache. But both of them bring such great gloves out there that I think you take whatever drop-off you have offensively. Uh, give me a win total. What, what's your prediction as we sit here two days from opening day? Your win total for the Mets this season, uh, the thing you're looking forward to most, and you already mentioned your biggest concern is the bullpen, but if you have any other concerns, you may add them as well. More of the Locked on Phillies, Locked on Mets crossover event where we preview everything from the Phillies, the Mets, and everything NL East coming up in the 2021 season with my buddy Ryan Finkelstein. But first, I want to tell you about my friends, 
at betonline.ag. Look, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, and again, now Major League Baseball, they're all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Again, that promo code is L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Also want to tell you about my friends at Built Bar. Look, we've been telling you about Built Bar right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Well, Built Bar is the amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. And today's matchup, it's the championship. Just two days left. It's Cookies and Cream versus Cookie Dough Chunk. Anyone who listens to Locked on Phillies knows that Cookies and Cream is my personal favorite. Make your voice be heard. Go to BuiltBar.com or at Bar underscore Built on Twitter to vote. I certainly will be. And also, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup, which is, of course, the championship, and who will become the next taste best-tasting protein bar. Again, that's BuiltBar.com. And use the promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your next order of Built Bars. The Locked On MLB Division Preview Series continues on Locked On MLB Today. Every episode from now until March 31st, which is tomorrow, features in-depth looks on each team in every division. It's all on the Locked On MLB podcast feed right now, by the Locked On MLB, and or on the Odyssey app, and wherever you get your podcast. And again, a little self-plug here. The Analyst was featured on the Locked On MLB Division Preview Series yesterday. Here myself and my fellow Analyst host preview everything with the Phillies, Mets, Marlins, Nationals, and Braves right here on the Locked On MLB Division Preview Series from the Locked On MLB Podcast. Okay, so win total, I would say 95 wins is what I'm I'm, I'm shooting to see the Mets get. Uh, you know, I do think there's a 100-win team in this division, and I believe it'll be either the Mets or Braves, but I just don't know if I can say that's the Mets right now. I think it's probably the Braves. Um, and then I look at uh, they're my prediction for what's going to happen in this division. And, you know, I, I believe the Braves and the Mets make the playoffs. Um, you know, I've been picking the Mets to win the division. But again, like I said, it's kind of a toss up. And then um, what was it? What was the third one there? Oh, well, I was looking forward to um, what are you looking forward to most on this roster about a full season of baseball coming back? Just any, any something with the Mets, just anything. You know, I shockingly to say, you know, I don't want to be pandering to fans. But I will say that even watching some of these spring training games, when there's 500 fans, if that, in the ballpark, there is that little bit of energy back, a little bit of zip. As much as you know, the cardboard cutouts were fun, and I think I see one over your head there. <laughs> as much as they were great for a year, you know, it's a lack of of excitement in the ballpark, a lack of energy. I think that's going to be good to have like normal baseball back. And I, I guess I'm also just excited to see Francisco Lindor is the obvious answer to see what it looks like to have a player of that caliber on the Mets. I don't think they've had one since Carlos Beltran. So that's going to be a lot of fun. 
So yeah, quickly, just the story behind the cutout, because I we've crossed over once before. I'm not sure if I explained it back then. So that was sitting uh, essentially front row, a few rows back in the Diamond Club, right behind home plate at Citizens Bank Park last season. So if you go back and watch virtually any highlight from any game in Philly a year in 2020, you'll see my face looking on. Uh, and that's a pretty cool thing. But you're right. Having yeah. fans back and whatever. Well, how many people are they allowing City Field this year? What's the number? So it's twenty percent. So it's it's like something over eight thousand start. So that's exactly where Philly's at too. Uh, they're going to start with about eight thousand people, uh, give or take, at Citizens Bank Park. I'm interested to see what it looks like. Uh, I do know some people who will be going during the first weekend. Of course, by the way, up here in the north, uh, the, the Mets start at home or are they in Washington. I forget. They start in Washington. So they start in Washington. Either way, the Mid Atlantic Northeast I-95 corridor, I'll call it. I think the rules are that it has to be cold for opening day. Like the Northeast just got some warm weather up here. And by the time April 1st comes around, or even if it's late March, uh, the rules are that it just has to be 40 degrees and freezing as they leave Florida and start playing real baseball. So we'll get some uh, playoff baseball weather, as I like to call it, right from the jump here. But in all seriousness, no, I'm excited to see what fans in the stands look like. Look, spring training is fun. And Watching these guys play games again is fun, and having fans down in Florida was fun. But having the games count and having people in person in virtually every stadium across Major League Baseball this year. I mean, look, it took until October when Texas was allowing fans in the NLCS and the World Series, and that was it. And it's actually fun to think that that stadium opened up and Rangers fans still haven't seen it for a Rangers home game. Like the Rangers played there, no one was there. So Look, the cutouts were fun. Watching my face every night was fun, but it's going to be different. Uh, I like the fact that baseball is back for a full year this year, obviously. Um, you know, it, it's a season. It's a sport that is supposed to generate tons of highs, tons of, tons of lows. And no matter how good or bad a game is, you're right back there the next day. So looking forward to that. Um, I'm interested. To, I was going to say, you know, in Francisco Lindor, uh, any updates this morning? I saw yesterday they were in contract negotiations. Do you think uh, ultimately they lock them up long term? I think so. I mean, right now, I think it's you know 10 for 325 is what the Mets are offering. Uh, Lindor wants 12 for 385. To me, that's just typical you know negotiations. I don't think Mets fans should be freaking out just yet. I feel like a deal gets done. I would be shocked if Lindor turns down that much money on the table and kind of goes through a season with that question in his mind of where is he going to play when you have a free agent class as loaded as the one next year at shortstop with Correa, Story, Seager. It, it makes more sense to take the big money now. I don't think any of those other shortstops have a deal like this on the table. So, look, that should be, I would agree, the most exciting thing that Mets fans have this year. Look, Bryce Harper is always exciting. I'm excited to see leadoff Andrew McCutcheon, see what he can do over the course of a full season, how many games we get out of a guy like him. Uh, here in Philly, JT Romuto, he's locked up. So no more, you know, sign JT every time he hits a home run or something like that. Like he he knows he's here for the long term. Excited to see what he can do. Alec Bohm is my guy to watch this year again. I think he really becomes a household name this season if he hasn't already, just because of how well he hits and how well he hits with runners on. So really excited to see that and excited and intrigued to see how this bullpen plays out they're starting that the Phillies are only are starting a year with only one left one lefty in the bullpen and that is Jose Alvarado and he looked great for like the first three weeks of spring and then 
has blown up here the past few appearances. Interesting to see how that pans out. So there's a lot of question marks I have with this Phillies team. I think there's reason for optimism with a number of them, but I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by a lot. I'm intrigued to see how these Phillies Mets series go early in the year. I'm sure we'll be talking about that. Uh, the Mets, so the Mets start in, start in Washington and then they have three. So they start six games at least on the road. What, who's their home opener against? That's uh, so a watch. Oh, the home opener. The home opener, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not the I'm not the schedule guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, anyway, this, so anyway, but I think it's exciting to have these division games right off the jump. We're gonna see. We're, I think there's gonna be a number of questions answered early here in April. And look, it's a long haul of a season. Follow watching the NLE standings. I, I forget who it is. Who always says you shouldn't look at the standings until Memorial Day with this division. I might even be breaking that. I'd, like two weeks into the season, I'm going to be looking at these standings, at the NL standings. Uh, is there a team, now that we've expanded to 162 games, a team you're most excited to watch the Mets play this year who are not in the East who we didn't see in 2020? First of all, just looked it up. They play the Marlins in their home opener. Um, okay, so another division then, opponent. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, a, so lot of big, a lot of big games in April. Exactly. Um, Outside of the division, I think... You know, the Padres are a team I think everyone's excited to watch. I'd be really interested to see. I feel like, you know, it, it would be surprising to me if both the Mets and the Padres who won the offseason go out and win the season. So I'm kind of rooting against the Padres this year because I want the Mets to be the team where everything kind of comes together for. Um, I think the Cardinals are a really fascinating team to watch this year. To see Nolan Arenado, you know, play outside of cores for a full year. And there's always that narrative. Can they do it outside uh, of the, that high altitude? I think Arenado can. So that's definitely a team I'm really intrigued with. I also, I covered the Palm Beach Cardinals for a summer. And it was when Dylan Carlson was 19 playing in high A. And so I have talked to him. I really like his game. So I, I want to see Dylan Carlson have a big year. He's just kind of a personal favorite of mine since I covered him when he was a, you know, such a young player. So you're down in Fort Lauderdale, I believe. Uh, yeah, Boca. So I'm like Boca, an hour north of Fort Lauderdale. But okay. Yeah. So how do you usually? So are you have any plans to go any Philly or Phillies Mets Marlins games when they're down in Miami? I know they're allowing even more people in Florida. Like, what's your plan here uh, to attack the season and see this team? Yeah. So I mean, usually whenever they come down, I would go with some buddies or you know my dad or whatever. But this year I'm gonna. You know, try to get you know, you know cleared to go to these games uh, and cover them in the press box uh, whenever they're in Miami. I'm also planning to go out in Tampa when they're in Tampa, so uh, we'll we'll definitely do some of that. And uh, I got a I got a trip planned with my family. We're going to see uh, Mets, Pirates, and uh, Mets Reds somewhere in July. So in that's my schedule right now. Uh, no, those are on the road. Me, my, me and my dad do a whole thing where we're we're trying to check off all the stadiums. So. Uh, uh, th those are the next two on deck here. Love that. What's your stadium count at? I think mine lifetime is nine, but I have a goal to hit all of them. Yeah, we're, I think we're, we're about in double digits now. I don't have the exact count down. Last time we went to uh, KC and uh, St. Louis, uh, we've basically done all the ones up in the Northeast. And uh, we had an awesome West Coast trip planned for last year. So that was unfortunate. We were going to hit. You know, we're going to do the whole drive down the, down the, uh, 
the the coastal highway and go to Giants, Padres, Angels, all those games. And uh, unfortunately, uh, COVID summer didn't quite happen. Yeah, COVID-19 had something to say about that. Uh, finally, before we uh, wrap this up here, uh, you look up and down this Mets roster. You have any, I mentioned Alec Bohm is maybe a dark horse to become a household name. You have any dark horse candidates or an X factor for this team this year? Um, You know, dark horse candidates, it's kind of tough because I, I guess I'll give you this one. Luis Guillorme is a guy that I constantly talk about on my show. Fans are probably sick of me talking about this guy who they probably don't view as a major contributor, but he is so much fun to watch play defense. He's a guy that since 2019, he was demoted, came back in August, has been a really solid contributor offensively. I think he's just one of those ball players that helps you win games, even if he doesn't have those flashy stats. But that would be my guy, Luis Guillorme. That is Ryan Finkelstein, of course, uh, Phillies and Mets, as I mentioned, seven games in the first two weeks of the season, three at Citizens Bank Park, uh, April 5th, 6th, and 7th, and then April 12th through the 15th, four up at City Field. I'm sure we'll cross over once, if not twice, to talk about those series. Phillies-Mets, Phillies-Braves, Mets-Braves, whatever it is, and at least play, there's nothing like it, and we're going to have some some good games, I think, early in the start of the season here. I will be exciting. Ryan, uh, thank you. Uh, for joining, well, thank you for crossing over. I'm joining your show just like you're joining my show today. <laughs> always a pleasure. Yep, always a pleasure. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Phillies podcast. Again, thank you to Ryan Finkelstein from Locked On Mets for crossing over here today, and thank you to all of my Locked On NLEs hosts, whether it be Dylan Short from the Braves, Josh Neighbors from the Washington Nationals, and of course Aram Layton from the Marlins. It was a lot of fun crossing over with each and every one of them. And previewing this National League East, again, I do think this will be one of the most highly contested divisions in all of Major League Baseball, but surely one of the most exciting. And look, the Phillies crossover and play them rather 19 times a year. So that will provide plenty of crossover opportunities throughout the season. So always great to talk to them and always great getting the sense of how they feel about their respective teams. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked on Phillies. Got more coming up later in the week. Uh, hoping to get guests Jack Fritz from 94WIP and Bob Wankel from Crossing Broad to talk about this team just two days, if you can believe it, two days until the Phillies open up the season against the Atlanta Braves at home. I cannot wait. We have a, an excellent slate of guests coming up this week to talk about. It. And of course, I'll be reacting to it all right here on the Locked on Phillies podcast.